Hey everyone, and welcome to 121 in Flux. I'm Peter, that is Connor, and we of course talk about movies on this show. Not new releases, we talk about older movies, sometimes older than others. This one's not that old, although it is 10 years old now. Time time does fly. Yeah, you, you say it's not that old, but we're on the second reboot of it. That's that's not about the age, that's about it, uh, how frequent things get rebooted now. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel fresh anymore, does it? No, it doesn't. Uh, so yeah, we did Spider-Man 1 and 2, of course, over the past month or so, uh, so this is going to be Spider-Man 3. Of course, this is the one that's notorious for being the, the proof that the third movie's always shit. <laughs> because I think before this, obviously, I don't think people think Return of the Jedi shit, but typically a lot of people would consider it the weakest of the three yeah, um, I think that's a, a fair general consensus. Yeah, and then a lot of people would say, obviously, Third Godfather was like a big example. Everyone thought that was shit. Because, I mean, that was like two masterpieces, and then, eh. <laughs> um, but then when you had Spider-Man, you got to the third movie, and it was like, eh. Superman got to the third movie. I don't actually hate Superman 3, but yeah, it's... it's, but it's, it's, not, it's not a good movie, necessarily, either, yeah. though, is it? Um, I mean, I'll, I'll fight people on Dark Knight Rises. I will... I'll fight to. No, I'll, I'll fight with you on that one. Um, some people really like Back to the Future Part Three. I, I enjoy it. I, I would probably say it's my least favorite of the three, but I still think, it's, in terms of consistency, it's definitely better than most third yeah. movies with the, the previous film. But something, something like X Men. Ah, yeah, there you go. There's another one, yeah. which actually was before this. Yeah, Last Stand was a year before. Yeah. Uh, this this number. Uh, Aye, 2006, 2007 was a rough couple of years for uh, comic book movies. I would say (laughs) arguably both X-Men trilogies as well. Yeah, although I I think Apocalypse Uh, is is more enjoyable than... It's it's better than Last Stand, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying compared to the previous two in its trilogy, it is clearly the weakest. That said, I I do think Days of Future Past is a bit overrated, so my opinion on that trilogy is a bit weirder. I mean, we both agree First Class is the best one, but First Class is my favourite X-Men movie, depending if you're counting Logan or not, which I don't know if you do. It's just kind of a weird... Compar- it's the best X-Men movie as the X-Men as a team, but arguably yeah. Logan's a better movie. Well, yeah, I, was exci- I prefer Wolverine over First Class as well, but kind of same rule. Uh, I just can't. It, it, it knows dives yeah. in Act 3. and it, it does a bit, but yeah. I love everything else it does more. I, I, I like the rest of it a lot. I was... Surprise! Hey, we're not talking about those movies. Yeah, talk- should we talk about Spider Man? Talk about Spider Man three. Uh, so of course we talked about the first and the second one. Uh, just full spoilers all the way through. I don't think there's any point in doing a spoiler-free section. Um, obviously, we very positive on two, sort of somewhat positive on one, but we did have a lot of a lot of complaints, a lot of things that had maybe aged a little bit, a lot of things that didn't quite add up for us in terms of it being like an adaptation of Spider Man. Uh, mainly the casting, which I think is a big thing, because I think when I'm going to talk about a lot of this movie and what it could have been, we have to factor in that I would still think the actors are miscast in the roles. Like I think it could. Yeah, be... yeah. This is assuming that they did that and changed it from the inception. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but just as what Spider-Man Three could have been to say match the quality of Spider-Man Two, uh, I'll be talking a lot about what I think where things went wrong, what what what, what the key decisions were that resulted in what we were about could to be talk a long about. List. <laughs> uh, so I actually think it's it's a relatively sh- I mean there's, there's a lot of small things you could make a big list but I think when it, when you try and boil it down to one key decision there's, I think there's one decision at the core that set it on the path to the train wreck yeah. that we were about to discuss uh, so needless to say yeah, Spider-Man yeah. 3 which I have not seen since I think 2007 as much as I did by the Blu-ray trilogy in about 2009 
Ish. never watched it until now. I never watched the third one. I watched one and two when I bought the Blu-rays, which was the last time I watched those before we did the reviews uh, this past yeah. month. Uh, but three, I never get around to what because I mean it was Spider-Man three. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I haven't seen any of them since the cinema of this this one. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so this was. I was actually genuinely curious to watch this again because it had been so long. I was thinking, oh, it's got this reputation. Yeah, and, like, is it as bad as everyone makes it out to be? Because from memory, you yeah. go, sure, it's bad, but it's not and the that, same, is it? It's funny, actually. I didn't actually remember how the movie ended. I remember the big final fight. Like I remember them being up in like the scaffolding. Yeah, and... yeah. That's because it just ends. <laughs> but I, I, I had no idea what the final scene was. Uh, it turns out it was just them dancing in the jazz club. Uh, like, fade to black. Okay. <laughs> do you know, it got to the end of the movie. I was like, oh, that was the end. <laughs> oh, oh, great. I, I'm, I'm free. So it's really bad that it's the easily the worst of the three, and it's also the longest. The last two were both about two hours, almost exactly, give or take a minute or two. They were two neat, nice cut two-hour movies. This one's two hours twenty. Now you're thinking twenty minutes isn't that big a deal, really? And it's not. I mean, superhero movies now are typically two and a half hours. That's pretty normal. Yeah, but it's, it's almost <laughs> a weird complaint because I feel like if it had had longer, it might have been better. In some regards, because things could okay. have been paced better. Sh- sure, yeah. Had it had another 40 minutes and been three hours long, it would have had time for the absurd amount of subplots that the movie has. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I should have just cut those. Just, you know, well, you, get well, rid of that okay. shit. I want, I want to get to the main thing, right? I want to talk about the main the main problem with this movie. Now, we can obviously we can talk about stupid dancing, we can talk about emo things, and we can talk about all these uh, other... We'll, we'll get to it. But I think the core thing here, right? I think Sam Raimi... And this is part. Of, I mean, there's part. I'm adding a little bit of speculation on this, but most of this is actually kind of known fact. He clearly, after Spider-Man Two, wanted to do Spider-Man Three, and he wanted to make a movie that was about Harry Osborn, New Goblin, and Sandman, and it was going to parallel each other about forgiveness for past mistakes and father figures and all that kind of thing. And there's probably a perfectly good movie in that. There is. I think I think there is. I think if you if you gave them more time, didn't have all the other stuff, I think that's a perfectly potentially I mean, great movie. There would still be some problems based on a, a single word that I have, but there you know, coincidences. Oh yeah, those coincidences, yeah. There's a lot of those in this movie. That, that, that's a separate complaint though. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. That, that would still have affected if, sure. if it was just that. But that's that's assuming like I think a lot of those coincidences are probably because they had to get things done in a truncated manner to fit it with all the other plots. Yeah, I think awesome. had it, I think it had it just been those plots that he clearly wanted to do. That was the movie he wanted to make. I don't think we would have seen as many coincidences because it would have actually been built up and it would have had the time to work out properly. But that's clearly the movie he wanted to make, and you can tell they, they kind of mirror each other. They, they, they the idea that. Uh, obviously, Sandman turns out to be the real killer of Spider-Man's uncle, which honestly. As much as I think this would have made a better movie had they focused on these plots, that one particular thing feels like such a cheap retcon. It just feels kind of... It does. It's, it's again, mm. it's another just... Co- it's a big coincidence because it kind of negates the whole thing in, in the first movie. You know, like, mm. oh, it was his fault because he let the guy go. Yep. Well, yep. now it wasn't. And that that I just hate that. Yeah, yeah. It's the worst type of retcon. It really is. It, it devalues a big motivation for his character in a weird way. Yeah. Um. But but other than that, it could have made a pretty good movie. Because Sandman, honestly, a couple of my favourite moments in the movie are actually from Sandman. Uh, I Actually, my favourite scene in the movie is when he wakes up as Sandman. 
yeah. And yeah, the sad music's good. playing, and he goes to grab the locket, and he, he can't quite. And he's learning how to actually sort of form himself. I think that's a great scene. I think on its own as a scene, that's... it is. It's that scene in particular is marred a little bit by just the coincidence of him becoming Sandman. Oh yeah, that's already he, another coincidence. Yeah, he just runs into this place, and then oh no, he's in the middle of a science experiment, and the scientists are like, "Oh, there's some weird reading here. Oh, it's probably just a bird that'll fly off." <laughs> yeah, yeah, great scientists you guys are. They belong on Prometheus. Anyway, um, so. But no, I think that's a genuinely good scene. I think it's beautiful. I think it's probably the best part of the music, the soundtrack, is that sad little theme that plays for him and his daughter. Yeah, I, again, I like the music in this one. I, I dislike the themes because obviously they're still Elton's themes that he set up. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. I think it's stupid. But I think other people know how to use them better than him and let them breathe. Yeah, but I, I generally like that little sad bit of music that played for him and his daughter. And again, Sandman, along with New Goblin, both fit thematically with the other villains we've had so far. They've all been kind of... They've all been kind of tragic people who were good once, or something to that extent. They they all had, like... And that's the whole thing here, is that Sandman's not really that bad a guy. He's he's, he's got a sick daughter he's trying to provide for. Like, there's potential there, and you can see that he was trying to work that in with the same sort of themes that he'd been playing with in the last couple of movies. And, And to be fair, the whole trilogy was building to, you know... Green Goblin stuff. Oh, obviously, yeah, yeah, because they, they, they set it up in the end of the last movie, and then in this movie we hit the ground running. Um, but again, neither neither the Sandman or the Goblin plots get enough time to actually be done well. Uh, exactly. They're truncated, and there's obviously a lot of problems. We'll talk about them specifically when we get to it. So what, what was the decision then? What was the problem? Because it's not necessarily so much that I don't think there could be a good Venom movie. I think if you do a Venom movie... You know, Spider-Man, not, not a Venom standalone, like the Tom Hardy one they're making at Sony. I don't mean that. But yeah, as a, I'm, not, I'm still not sure why. Yeah. Like, had they said, no, no, we'll do Spider-Man 4 with Venom as the villain, I think that could also be good. There's nothing. I think Venom can be a, a fun, scary, you know, villainous character. Of course, there's no, no reason he can't be. Yeah. The problem is, is Sam Raimi wanted to make his movie, and then the studio said, nope, we want Venom. Put Venom in it. And that's what led to this i think an, an offshoot of the venom stuff though is also all the uh the relationship drama between peter and mary jane i feel like that stuff i mean obviously some of it's terrible for and we'll get into those reasons but i think the core concept of them ha- having some trouble with the relationship would have been in the venom movie because it ties in with him with the symbiote and like that messing yeah. up things like again that's another subplot in this movie that just it feels like what the seventh plot that's going on i just i don't get why can't they be happy for one movie? I know. I I, I agree. Like, I feel like they finally got to get to the end of the last movie, and then this movie it's just misery it's just the entire time. Them up straight away. Like again, like if that was a a fourth movie, like hypothetically, yeah. I'd be okay with it because you you've established a status quo, stuck with it for a little bit, showed us what that's like, and then taken away. We we didn't get to experience any of them as a happy couple. We never we saw that at all. We, we we heard them talk about it in a about a monologue at the start and a little montage. And yeah. here, here's, here's sort of the first big warning, actually, that this movie's in trouble, is with, when this plot's first brought up... Now, it's fine once it gets going, and you... I mean, I say it's fine. It's, it's fine in the extent that they, sh- they show what's happening, but the first time it's brought up, uh, Mary Jane comes comes to his apartment, and she, she's upset because she got a bad review in her... She, she did a, an opera or a musical or whatever on stage. She was in a play. Yeah, Broadway. Broadway, yeah. And which, by the way, all the talk of her being excited about her Broadway performance, I thought was a bit weird because she was in like something last movie as well because they were going yeah, to see broad, it. Yeah, but Broadway's bigger. 
sure, but it's just... No, I get it. Like, before she was just off one of the, the side streets, you know, it's not a big deal. It's it's big for a, you know, a first Oh, thing, no, but... I get that it's bigger, but in this movie, when she gets fired from this Broadway show, she immediately has to go and be a waitress again, and it was just kind of weird, because in the last movie, it didn't yeah. feel like she had to do that. It felt like she was doing other roles, and she, she had her ongoing acting career. She was on a billboard. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess the reviews were that damning. <laughs> it just it just didn't add up for me. It didn't feel like it followed on from where she was in the last movie. That's true. Um, but anyway, so she, she comes over and she's upset. And Peter says something along the lines of, uh, oh, I totally get it, like, Spider-Man has his critics. And she immediately goes, oh, just for once, can we not... T- this is about me, not about you. And later on in the movie, you get why she feels that way, because we see him being a bit more self-centred and all that. But at that point in the movie, when she has that complaint... We'd yeah. seen none of that yet. Yeah, yeah, it didn't make... Because at that point, he was just going... Like, he can't just go, oh, I understand how you feel. Because you say that, and then they go, no, you don't. Shut up. Yeah, and, no, and, and, he was and, making but, a fairly valid comparison to critics. Yeah, he was saying, hey, <laughs> I, in my job, I deal with it. I don't let it get to me. You can't let it get to you. No, that was that was it. No, if we'd had a scene already where he'd, like, compared... Like, he'd, like, maybe brought up being Spider-Man, like, three or four times... And then that, that line happened, I would have got it, and it would have made sense. But here, it just kind of felt like, oh no, here's the forced relationship drama. She's pissed at him, because yeah, he always like, brings up Spider-Man. I get it where, you know, when they go out for dinner, for the for the, enga- the, mm. the engagement bit. Like, when he when he brings it up there, yeah, he, he's being a dick. Oh yeah, because she gets fired, and he doesn't find out until way later in the movie. And the idea is that he's so self-absorbed that he's not giving her a chance. Now, at first, she does hold it back. Yes, yeah, because because it's, it's his day. It's his, you know, he's getting, Spider-Man's getting the key to the city. It's a big celebration for him and all that. And she's she's being a, nice, a genuinely nice person. I don't want to bring him down for my shit. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll he, deal with yeah. it later. But then, then at the dinner, he, he, he just won't let her speak. Um, and when, it's when she says, um, "You have no idea how I'm feeling," and she doesn't say it in a bad way. She's just saying, "Oh, you really have no idea what my day's like right now. Like how I'm feeling." And then he immediately jumps in and goes, "Oh, I absolutely do," and he just starts talking for like yeah. ages and it's like no, let her speak damn it um, so yeah w- once it gets going you see what they're doing but the way it starts it's like you didn't set that up so because so, at that first moment when she says that I was like well she's been a bit bitchy <laughs> yeah you, you, uh, you, you kind of excuse it because it's like alright she's had a tough day yeah and but, like you know she's not used to these bad reviews so I get why she's a bit on edge but this seems a bit harsh yeah but it turns out no no this is an ongoing plot where he has been self-absorbed and okay that's fine but you didn't set it up before you just had her bring it up yeah and so I mean she's uh, I guess she's a little bit better in this movie than she was in the last two it was just her character in the sense that she actually I don't know she has more of a plot to herself I guess because she has this whole review thing she's still the damsel in the dress this, uh, distress in the third act because I still don't understand why everyone wants to be with her. I don't either. Honestly, I think there's a problem with your Spider-Man movie when I legitimately think the uh, the sweet girl next door, you know, the uh, landlord's daughter, is like yeah. she's way more appealing. Why aren't you? She's clearly got a crush on you, Peter. Just yeah, yeah. She's... Ask her out. This is it. I, I don't. I mean, it's been a problem since the first movie. And the second one and this one, to an extent, we're supposed to just buy that. No, no, this is it. We just this is this is how it is. But I just I can't. It's, I can't because they've never given me a reason to like it. Actually, that is actually okay, one other scene that I really like in this movie, and it's actually the landlord scene. <laughs> um, it's when he, it's when he's, he's got the symbiote, right? Peter's got the symbiote, and he's acting like a dickhead to everyone, and he, he says something to the landlord, "Oh, I'll pay your rent when you fix my damn door," and he, he goes in, and uh, you know the door comes and says, "Oh, that wasn't very, very nice," and the landlord, who's always like really 
you know, he's always he's always been a character. Like, oh, where's my rent? Where's my money? Oh, you're yeah. you're no good, t-. right? I actually really like that he goes. Oh, he must be sick or something because he's he's such a nice guy. It's like it's like the the whole facade of the the angry landlord went away, and it's like no, he actually likes Peter, and I actually kind of I thought that was a sweet little moment. I was yeah, like, it's, no, I'll it's, give you that. It's also the idea that I think Peter does typically after the the, the troubles he had yeah. last movie, he does actually pay his rent for the most part on time. Yeah, yeah. There's no sense in this movie that he's. I mean, he's not rich, but he doesn't seem to be as in the shithole as he was. No, he's he's movie. got a sta- He's got a stable gig, and you know he's pushing for more, but he's stable enough certainly. Yeah. I mean, for for his shitty little studio apartment. Oh, for, for yeah. that, definitely, yeah. 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 Um, but no, like, so... Yeah, so it, it says something when I watch I watch a Spider-Man movie and my favourite characters are the landlord and his daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really... And I'm not saying they need a big resolution, but I feel like... Because this happened in Spider-Man 2, which is a much better movie, but we talked about how in that review, how she she came and she made them cookies and that was the last scene we had with them, and it felt like there was no... no yeah, just it, a was, moment it was to, missing. Yeah, it was like there was no moment towards the end where they have a little moment or something kind of mm. thing. It was it, just... It, it does it here as well, doesn't it? It just kind of fizzles out. like it, it presents the ideas and then does nothing with them. I can't remember what the last scene with the mods, I think it's when he's been because addi- he's on the symbiote again because he takes it off for a while and then he has it back on yeah. and he's basically like forcing her to go make more cookies for him yeah and he's being like a complete asshole and we never see like a, a moment later where he, you know maybe where he apologises or at least he's nicer so she realises that he's back to being himself so it's sort of closed it off it just well, that's it. For like, like I say, as, as long as this movie is it's missing key moments like that yeah. that yeah, you know, that that would only be a you could do that in a forty five second scene if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's it's just not there. Even that, honestly, you could have a montage at the end, and it could just cut to like a silent like moment for ten seconds with like him smiling at her and she smiles back, and it's like, oh, okay, she knows he's back to himself again, and that that would probably be enough. Yeah, not even a big thing, but it just if again, it felt weird. It felt like it was something missing. So oh, I'd have dear. liked, I'd have liked just when when he was back to normal at the end, mm. he come in. As no, you know, he's back to normal, and he goes and pays his rent. That's it. Yeah. That, that would do it. And, and then the landlord's a dick to him, and it's all back to normal. So what we're actually getting at here, when we're talking about too many plots, basically, because there's so many plots, we've got Sandman, we've got New Goblin, we've got Venom, we've got the relationship stuff. Basically, there's some plots in this movie where Venom doesn't really start until uh, an hour four minutes into the movie. I checked because I was I was checking the time as I was watching. Like, we've still not got to him having the symbiote that's, yet. I mean, once you cut out the credits, that's what, what basically halfway. Yeah, because I mean, obviously there's the coincidental meteorite that lands that they next... coincidentally miss because they just happen to turn around for a kiss at that exact moment, even though they've been watching the skies for a, a good while. Yeah, and call me crazy, but if a meteorite lands that close, I think you'd hear it. Think you might. <laughs> just, I'm just, just. I've never actually been next to a meteor landing, but I feel like it's probably a loud thing. It's a fair assumption, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what's not a fair assumption? What? Doctor Connor's going. Oh, I think it's a symbiote. It's got all the telltale characteristics. What characteristic? A symbiote is a symbiote because it has a relationship with something else. You're looking at it on its own. Do you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll accept that because at least he's smart enough to then say, Peter, don't touch it. <laughs> 
<laughs> that, that, that is fair. Not, not that you need to be a scientist to maybe think I shouldn't touch this thing that may or may not be alien. Yeah, this black goo. That's moving on its own. Yeah, I probably shouldn't be touching that. Uh, but yeah, that's exactly another one for it in the movie. Uh, the Sandman plot, there's a moment in that movie where it goes away for about 35, 40 minutes. And then just comes back out of nowhere. And then just comes, yeah, it just comes back randomly. He just wakes it, up it, again. Essentially, it feels like it's dealt with. For all intents and purposes, it's not because there's still got to be resolution. But yeah. the movie pretends it's dealt with for far too long. And here's something I noticed. The entire movie feels like Act 1 until it just decides, oh, it's the start of Act 3. Yeah. It never progresses the way a movie should, where you feel like you're in the middle of the journey. You never feel like that. It feels like it's still setting stuff up for like 90 plus minutes, and then all of a sudden Venom's here, he exists, and he's like, hey Sandman, who I've coincidentally met in an alleyway. Um, it's not, I mean, it's not a complete coincidence. They say that he was looking for him. But they don't really say why. Yeah, they say Sandman was looking for Spider-Man, and because Venom's swinging around, which by the way, that was the other thing. You never actually see Venom swing around at all. You see him do it in shadow when he lands in that scene, but there's never like any actual... You, you've got a villain who can swing around like Spider-Man, and you don't do anything with it. My question... It's just a question. Why, why can he swing? Because obviously, it's, when he's Spider-Man, he swings still as Spider-Man. It's, right? his, it's his own black... Right, goo. okay. He, yeah. Does he just decide, oh, I like doing that with, with him. Let's do it with this new guy. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe the idea is because... Because in the comics as well, he, he, I think he's always connected with Spider-Man like, first. Like, like, yeah, so he learned yeah. from him. Yeah. Ah, all right, I'll buy it. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't but, know anything else Spider-Man-y in this, does he? Well, he makes a lot of webs as well. Well, yeah, I suppose. Again, with his, his own yeah. gooey stuff. Uh, but, like, whatever. But you, you have this villain who can do all this stuff and you see him do nothing with it. We, we introduce him. He has one scene and then it's the, the final fight. It's the final thing. Uh, he's so shoehorned into the end of the movie. It's really, you know, it, it's actually became a kind of a kind of a term. If you venom a villain, it means you've shoehorned him into the third act. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there was worries before Dark Knight came out that Two Face was going to be venomed into the third act, and it was a lot more natural in that movie. Like, yeah, it was late on, but it was very much a part of another plot. It was they all kind of fed into. Well, well that's it, isn't it? Because that in that movie that was set up early on, the progression was there, yeah. the fall, and it was caused yeah. by another villain. It was caused by their plot. Exactly. Yeah. Here we had one scene, or maybe two scenes before he was Venom at all. And then, just by coincidence, Eddie Brock is in this church, this big chapel, which just happens also, to be the same also, place where Spider-Man's taking kind the of a dick. off. He's going to church and going, hey God, help me kill Peter Parker. <laughs> no, he says he wants what, Peter Parker to die. What is he doing? <laughs> this is not what church is for. <laughs> hey God, uh, can you please kill all my enemies? Thanks. Okay, Smite them, dear lord. Yeah, which, which, by the way, he he's pissed at Peter because now, matter, admittedly, Peter he is a bit of a dick about it because he's on, he's on the symbiote at the time. However, he all he actually does is point out something he actually did, which was highly unethical and illegal in photoshopping a, a an image that he, gave, he sold, you know, the bugle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He he pointed good. out, hey, you made this up. I'm not letting you because you know I, I think even without symbiote, you go you go. Hey, you basically stole my job by doing something that affects me personally in both lives by yeah. cheating. And I'm not going to stand for that. Even before you get into like him cheating, just the idea that he comes in and accepts like fifty dollars when Peter's been getting a going rate of two hundred. He's basically just undercutting him to kiss. Yeah, what, what a chump, Jonathan's ass. So I don't know. It's it's the whole thing. I, but yeah, see again, that that was that was one of the coincidences that really bothered me though. 
The fact yeah, that he just yeah, happens to be in that building. Why is he there? Like, what, what, what are the odds? And he starts begging for someone to be killed. It's like, you're just having him say that to try and justify the fact that he's in this building. That, that is the only reason for that. Which, again, <laughs> as another character who gets almost no screen time. Think, think about how many times you actually see him before he becomes Venom. Right, I, I think I can count it. So you have the one at the... The building. The, 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 the crane incident. Yeah, yeah. That's the first time you see him in the movies, the crane incident, which is a yeah, good yeah. chunk in as well. Yeah, then you have it at the you know the key to the city bit. Key to the city. Uh, then you have him and at the bugle. You have him at the bugle, undercut him, and then you have him at the bugle when he's done the uh, the fake photo. You also have him before that when he is actually he meets Spider-Man and Spider-Man crashes the camera. Oh, yeah, you're right. Or smashes but, the camera, I should say, don't crash. Right, so that's five very short bits. And then, yeah, and then next time he's in the, he's in the, he's in the shop. Yeah. That's it. That, that's all that, you get. That is it. And all he is is this whiny guy who, he has no character, really. He's just a little dickhead. <laughs> and that's his he, whole thing. He he hates Peter for being better than him. Well, I mean, I mean, he says Peter's not even better because he's like, my photos are better. And maybe they are. That's that's a technical so, thing. Spe- spe- speaking of characters who have no resolution, Gwen Stacy, who the last time we see her is when Peter's on the symbiote and he takes her to the jazz club where Mary Jane is now working to make her jealous. That's the whole ridiculous dancing where he's like sliding on t- tables and he's doing all these stupid dance. I-, I don't think I have grown more in my life than when, see when he first like he he puts his hair down like he's looking himself in the mirror. But yeah, he's, he's he goes, nah. He goes, he goes, oh, I want the emo hair, uh, yeah. which is just the start of this whole charade, of course. Uh, but that's ridiculous dancing. And then Gwen just goes, oh, you did that for her? And she looks at MJ and goes, I'm so sorry. And then she leaves and then we never see her again. There's never... Again, Peter should go to her later as himself and apologise or something. Like, we just never yeah. see her again. I, I mean, think even the only time she's even mentioned after that that I recall... Is Eddie going? Hey, you stole my girlfriend. Yep, so I'm going to steal yours. Yep, that's the only time. Um, and just think about this: Gwen Stacy, who's such a big character in the comics, and her father, who's also a big character, who's in this movie reduced to this like minor bit part, who just speaks to. And much by the way, even the reveal that uh, Sandman killed his uncle, that killed killed Ben, even that's like given away in a really weird scene. Like before they find out, there's just a scene at the police station where he mentions, "Oh, the Ben Parker case. He's on the run." Yeah, why why did we learn that way? Not, why do we not learn with Peter and May? Like that seems like the, the obvious moment. It does, we learn I, with them and hit the emotion because I mean it still kind of feels cheap that they've done it, but yeah, but in terms of an emotional beat, especially since there's no reason why we had to know before that scene. No, I, it affected nothing because I mean it would have felt like oh, there's a coincidence. Why why are we watching the cops chase this guy? But sure, this this movie clearly doesn't give a shit about you know having coincidences so why not have one more it's it's full of them it's, it's absolutely full of them it, it's top to bottom here's something that I, it really bugged me actually uh so let's, let's, let's tackle each plot on its own then and oh, sort of okay. do whatever one but i i basically just mean the three villains more than anything else like we've yeah. already talked about the, the drama plot more than mostly um new goblin right other than the fact that he pretends to still not remember later on, why does he have this weird, cliched amnesia plot where he forgets everything? Explain this to me. I think, I mean, I'm not saying I agree what, what, what it does it mm-hmm. well. I think the purpose is it goes, look, he's a good guy at heart. He's just been corrupted. Like, 
So it's he's, when yeah. he's redeemed at the end, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, he was a good guy. It's just it's a way of reminding us that he used to be Peter's friend. But we don't really need that because we had a trilogy about it. Yeah, yeah, we've already seen that in the first movie. Admittedly, it would work better if he didn't just turn kind of half evil in the first one for no reason. I get it, I get it to an extent after his father died. I get that maybe that's this like yeah, that's a breaking point. Yeah, this is a spark for him. But remember, he had, he had that whole thing where he talked he to shit to MJ before he that, um, which was a bit weird at the time because we, we spoke about how that was a weird moment in the first one. But yeah, uh, yeah. But here's a scene that really bothered me in that one. So so. Peter's just happy. Oh, everything's coming up. Peter, he doesn't remember any of this, but he remembers who I am, so we're best friends again. This is great. Uh, Peter comes over to uh, hang out with them, and he brings a basketball. And he's like, hey, I brought you a present. And it's like, they're all basketball. They're like, oh, that's playing. They talk about how they were good in the court. I'm like, do you know, this may actually be an effective little callback to the friendship. Ever it- seen them play basketball. Yeah. I'm like... Why basketball? we never seen them even look at a basketball in the first movie. And never even mentioned it. Like, I mean, okay, like, let's let's actually think about their friendship in the first movie. Jeez. They were at school together because he he got kicked out of all his other schools. So he was new. He was a new student so, at the time. Yeah, so he was new. And that's about it. <laughs> that was their friend. I mean, they lived together. We we saw them live together. Yeah. yeah. They never actually bonded over anything. That's a good anything. point. Like, at, at most, their friendship while they were in high school was a year at most, at the absolute most, it was a year. Maybe two, because I don't know how new he was when we first saw him. Ah, well, I got to imply that it was very new, because he's like, oh, don't pull up, you know, don't pull up uh, the car in front of the building. That's true, yeah. Um, he felt really new, but I'll, I'll accept that, you know, time passed in the first one, because we see him graduate. Yeah, because we, 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 got, we got through maybe most of a year in that first one. But, uh, uh, yeah, but the school part of that then is even shorter, though, really, when you think about it. Because the whole bad thing with this basketball is, oh, the good old days when we were friends in school, but that didn't actually last that long. Because, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, in the first one, uh, that scene with Peter and MJ out in the back the back door when they're talking over the fence, Yeah, they're already talking about graduation. Yeah, yeah, they are. Saying, what are you going to do after graduation? It's an event that's coming up. They're near the end of the high school time. Yeah. So... Like I don't know. Basically, <laughs> I don't understand why they were friends. I mean, you know, you don't need a reason to be friends. You just be friends. Oh yeah, sure. But there was nothing that we ever saw them bond over or do together. We saw them live together, but we never actually saw them do anything. Yeah, I mean, I, the reason why I thought they were friends before, I got the 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 sense that they were both outcasts. He was the nerd that everyone picked on. He was the, the new yeah. rich kid that everyone sort of like. Oh no! I've just I've just read they did bond over something. They both like Mary Jane. <laughs> yeah, quite right. Quite but, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like you said, there is enough there. As like you said, they're outcasts. There's enough there to be friends. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't need to do that. It was just the way they brought this basketball in, as if it was, the, and they started reminiscing about it. And I'm like, yeah, there was none of this. No sense. It, you've pulled this out of your ass. This comes from nowhere. Yeah. There's the other thing that's really bullshit about this plot. So when he remembers. Yeah, he just remembers. There's almost no build to it. Nothing big happens on the way to him remembering. It just uh, see, I don't mind that because that's you know that's kind of how memory loss works. Sometimes you just oh, oh you, you just oh, remember. Sure, but here's the thing though: it just happens because the movie decided, oh yeah, we want to move that plot ahead now. There's no yeah. actual. Yeah, the, the the problem isn't him remembering suddenly. It's the fact that we never actually get anything where he hasn't got any memory. 
that happens. Nothing happens when he has when he's lost his memory. Oh, Mary Jane get... goes to talk to him for a little bit in the kiss when they're making food. Oh yeah, okay. There was that one scene. Oh, that's it. I'd forgotten about that. I'll be honest because. Yeah, when I, when I say there's no build-up, I don't necessarily mean there has to be a build-up to him remembering. Or even getting short little fragments or anything like that. You don't even, you don't even have to do that. If you want to have it all come back in one go, fair enough. I just mean in terms of the momentum of the movie, there's yeah. no... It doesn't come at a point where it's, oh, we're, we're hitting a point where this will be the worst possible moment for him to get his memories back. It just happens. Yeah. Joe, you know, you know, it's really telling. You're saying that, like you said, there's nothing that, that there's no reason for why it happens when it does. I'm struggling to remember what's happening at the same time as it in the movie. Like, oh, I'm I have struggling no idea. to remember. Yeah, I can't remember. It just they like say it, it's just in there somewhere, but the, I don't know exactly when. But this is the thing: once he does remember, that becomes the focus of the movie because we get this whole thing where he he pretends that he still can't remember, but he threatens Peter. He threatens because obviously earlier on in the movie they have, they have their big fight. He shows up, which by the way, the CG in that fight looked awful. Do you know what? CG in this is the worst of the three. Uh, overall, probably. Uh, I, I mean, I think there's some scenes that are fine, but there's that that fight between uh, them when it's uh, uh, Peter, Peter in his regular clothes and uh, New Goblin yeah, like attacks yeah. them, and they're going they're, and they're going down that really thin alleyway between the buildings, and the whole so thing awful. looks like utter garbage. I, I think uh, Sandman's pretty good. Sandman's pretty good, yeah. Ven- Venom's hit or miss. I'll be honest. He is. I, I hate that they have his face come back and it's like his face in the suit. Like, see yeah, when it's just yeah, proper yeah. Venom, which you get maybe like five seconds of, all combined. Uh, you know, Venom looks like a cool enough character. He's a cool design, yeah. so it works well enough, but there's hardly any of it. And there's no stakes because you don't really believe the build to him and the whole thing's been... At this point in the movie, everything's just been botched. Well, so well that's it. It's, it's Peter learns who Venom is at the end of the movie. Like, he learns basically in that third act... Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, I mean, that's a fault of the fact that they didn't make him Venom he, till well, so late. But... Well, he he learns who's Venom in the process of defeating him. Well, exactly, because <laughs> basically, because he goes, "Hey, look, it's me." There's not much more to it than that. But yeah, like I said, so the whole movie drops everything else to focus on this Harry plot, where he he pretends to not remember things, and we get the the gif the gif that's still used widely today of him saying "so good" when he eats the pie. After he's, after he's, you know, uh, he's been in the restaurant and he makes, he turns around and looks at Peter, kind of thing, um, to make him jealous and whatever else. And then he makes MJ break up with him. He shows up, and then Peter in the symbiote goes to fight him and ends up like melting half his face <laughs> with, uh, which. And here's the author, right? So after all this goes down, so that's basically the end of the new Goblin plot until Peter goes to see him at the end for the third act fight, right? Yeah. It, 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 explosion happens. Peter's obviously more careless and more violent, and because he's all symbiote at the time. And the the butler, so Peter Peter comes back to see him. And says, "I need your help. I can't save MJ on my own. There's two of them. There's Venom and there's Sandman. They're working together. Told you, they only bonded over MJ. Yeah. So he he comes to see him and says, "I can't save her on my own." And you know, Harry turns around and he's got a scar and all down one side of his face. Uh, yada yada. Uh, and he's like, piss off, Peter. I'm not doing it. And then we get a scene where the butler, who's been such a memorable character, because I, I don't know his name, the butler comes in and he's like, you know, I cared dearly for your father. He was a good man, but he, he became obsessed, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I examined his wounds, by the way, when he was brought back here, and I am 
so sure that they were self-inflicted by his own glider. I have several several questions about this random-ass scene. First of all, did he know about Peter being Spider-Man, and does he know about the threat that's happening right now, that he feels compelled to say this just now? Because if so, if not, why is he coming forward and saying this now? Why is he? Why did he not tell him immediately after his father died, by the way, maybe don't have this whole feud with Spider-Man because your dad killed himself? Right? Um, and... Okay, maybe he felt awkward doing that, but if he did just decide to do this now, then he must know why it's important right now, why it's a threat. So was he aware that Spider-Man just showed up? And he showed up without his mask, so he must have an inclination of what's going on. Yeah. And... But yeah, why wait till now? Why? Also, how did he know it was wounds from the glider? I mean, I'm sure maybe they're, they're very specific cuts, but... Why would he know that? It's not like he'd seen and examined these for, for comparison. Maybe. I mean, yeah, that's the other thing. D- does he have a medical history? Was he like... This, this butler is, is actually just Alfred, isn't it? But what's the thing? It's like, up until this movie, like, I remember seeing him in the last movies, but he was he, he was a nothing character. He was in the background. He, he said, yes, sir, a couple of times. I think, like... I think he said one thing about, uh, you know, like, his, 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 his father was only obsessed with, with uh, the one thing at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, uh, yeah, he had that like, one that one moment. He was he was only obsessed with his work life, not his private. But he comes into the scene like he's important, and I just it, it's again, it's just Deus Ex Machina out of nowhere. Here's a character who can just tell him that his entire reason for his food. When honestly, it would actually be more of a character arc if Harry made the choice, even though he still may think Peter's responsible. If he made that choice with that still caveat, because the whole th- thing at the end of the movie is that Peter forgives Sandman once he hears why it came to pass, that forgiveness is an important part of being a hero, and that you should forgive. That would actually tie in better with the movie's themes that it's going for if he made the choice to go and help him, even yeah. though it makes the love in him that killed his father. And this is why, even if we hadn't got the, the you know, without the, the movie without Venom, mm. I still don't know how much of this would have been great, because things like this are treated with just well, these but here's the thing, would, would, that's the thing would they have been treated differently I think they would, would have we... I, th- I think the reason why it's just this scene out of nowhere is because they had no time to do it they didn't have time you... to have yeah, a... might well be. like they didn't have time to develop scenes where he, he like struggles with the decision it just could... they have to give him this get out of free jail card where it's like oh by the way it wasn't really Peter it was definitely your father uh, so all that grudge you've had yeah you don't need any of that yeah this grudge which has gone on yeah, a couple of years at this point right yeah yeah yeah, three years, because they mentioned in the movie it's been three years since uh, Uncle Ben died. All right, so yeah, maybe, maybe like two and a half years, this grudge then. Yeah. Give or take. And at no point did the butler think to mention this before. Literally, he watched Harry ruin his only friendship and said nothing. Because <laughs> they were good enough friends that they were living together. And, you know, they were clearly like the only friends that each other had, really, as well as MJ. Yes, as well as MG, of course. Yeah, yeah, but like in terms of you know the the, the circle of friends from from school, that was it was just the two of them. Mm-hmm. And and the butler, the dick he is, you went, you know what? I'm gonna let this little shit ruin his friendship. <laughs> Until at this moment in the third movie, where he just decides for some reason, oh, now's the time I should tell him this. Right I think I think he goes. I quite like that girl. She was nice when she came round. I'll make sure he goes and saves her. Which, again, implies he's eavesdropping the entire time and knows about everything that's going on. Isn't, isn't that what butlers do, to be fair? Oh, God, the whole thing. I, just... I, I, th- I, think, I think 
the the idea that butlers eavesdrop on everything is just an expectation that you should just have. Of course, like he actually dies with his own glider, so it's you know harkens back to the death of his father, and he dies kind of the same way. But he goes out more of a hero because he's trying to help people, um, and he's calling them buddy while they're flying in the air, and it's, it's all. And it's, it's, you know what? The actual core idea is here: the idea that he has to come and help at the end of the movie because the enemy's too big for Spider-Man to face alone, and that he shows up as a heroic ally. It's potentially a really good moment. It's a potentially. It's just not earned, is it? It's it's not earned. Um, I really I just, hate this movie. It, it's so frustrating. But again, I th- I think it's a victim of the fact that oh, we had to fit in all these other plots. There's at least two other plots that could have been easily cut out of this movie and made it more focused. Just Sandman and Goblin because the themes all link up together. They all parallel and they I'd, all work I'd together. I'd love to read the original script pre pre Venom. Assuming there was a script before they. Assuming forced that him. yeah. yeah, yeah. That may have been pre-scripting when they said, no, you have to throw him it, in. It, it might well have been, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be curious as well, because I feel like I feel like a lot of the, the coincidences we're talking about, I feel like they're coincidences because we have to have them happen quick. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, yeah. the, the previous two movies have had their fair share of coincidences, though, so I feel like some of them might have still... Not, nothing as egregious as these, though. De- definitely not, no. Nothing like this butler here, no, nothing like... Uh, Sandman just walking into his his origin. <laughs> yeah, literally. He literally just lands in the science he, experiment. He literally falls into his origin. <laughs> uh, and I think he's potentially one of the more interesting characters. He, I think he had potentially be a great villain. I think he's a fun villain just from an action point of view. You know when he's like, I mean, there's a moment when uh, after after Peter fights Venom for a bit at the end, and he lands, and you can just sort of tell there's some sand. He's like, oh, he's landed in Sandman, and it's like, yeah, there's potential for fun fights. Look at the big, you know, big sand fist uh, un- until it rains. Until it rains, yeah. Water's his his enemy, yeah. But no, I think Sandman's fun for an action point of view, and I think the whole yeah. idea that he is this sympathetic villain who's trying to help his daughter, I think, makes him interesting. I, I can see why he wanted to use him, why he wanted yeah. to make a movie about him. I just- just to get back to the idea that this was Uncle Ben's real killer, why? Mm. Like, I mean, if he just killed someone now and Spidey didn't stop it because he was off doing his symbiote bollocks and he was like, nah, screw this, I'm not saving this, I'm not stopping that guy. And then that guy killed someone. So mm. it would hearken back to the Uncle Ben moment still. It would still be the same decision that he made. Obviously, this time it would be because of the symbiote. But it would kind of be his fault. Oh, even if we're and, going with the idea that this, if you take Venom out of the movie, if you take all that out of the movie, just just yeah. have just have Sandman do something bad. Maybe we don't see the whole thing, so so that it's once we see what really happened, it's a bit more sympathetic. It's more of an accident or sure. more of a whatever. Um, but like, yeah, just have it be he's a killer, and can Spider-Man forgive a killer, given everything that he's went through, kind of thing. Uh, but ultimately, he. He will because he's Spider Man and he has to learn that. Yeah, that's that's a solid plot. I, I just I don't understand why it needs to be tied into to the Uncle and, Ben stuff. And him forgiving him parallels with Harry having to forgive him. Yeah, exactly. Even though he doesn't really need to forgive him because we know it wasn't him that killed him. But but, but yeah. But he can never really know that for sure. Even if Peter says, I mean, turns out his butler's a medical expert and can tell him that the blade matches his glider, so it had to be his own hand. And tell me, Butler, what, couldn't a Spider-Man grabbed his own glider and stabbed him with it repeatedly? Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> Do you know I think the goblins should just magnetise the hoverboard to themselves. and yeah, magnetise <laughs> it to their feet. Then there's none of this nonsense of, hang on, maybe this can go through my stomach. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, 
Venom. Let's talk about Venom. Uh, I suppose we should. Like, we've already kind of talked about. I think everything about Sandman that wanted to say has been said. Yeah. Honestly, it kind of, it kind of wrapped into the, the Goblin plot for the most part. Well, that's uh, because they all just come together again at the end, and it like it's like, oh, okay, we're, mm. we're back. We're back on this plot. Because I mean, his first action scene's okay. You know, he's stealing, stealing money from the, the armored car, and Spider-Man's yeah. on the on the door, sliding around. Yeah, it's okay. Again, I've really got a problem with Peter taking off his mask so much. He gets, he, he finishes the fight, uh, and he goes, much. he goes straight up to the roof and takes off his mask. It's like, again, really? I know he does it a lot, but whatever. But it's like, do, do they not have CCTV cameras around here? Uh, but Venom. So, meteorite just happens to land very near Peter and it, the goo's like in his apartment for like a week or something it's been a while yeah I, I, I don't know how long time passes from then to when it finally attacks him but it attaches himself to him and he, he has a little little flight of fancy with it doesn't do too much uh, he's into his black outfit though and all the rest of it but he takes it off and then things get bad again so he, he puts it back on he has his moment where he chooses to put it on which uh, which, which, I mean, I like at least that. Like again, if this was a Venom movie on it, so the idea that he chooses to put it back on will make him sufficiently guilty for anything he does when he has it on because he made the choice. So that gives him the the conflict. Like, so yeah. that's a good idea. Uh, but again, it turns into him with his hair down, um, dancing around the street. Oh, that stupid street clicking montage. Oh uh, yeah, and he comes. He, he goes into the you know the store, gets new clothes, and he comes back out dancing. Um, the whole thing is diabolical. I mean, I know it's infamous anyway, but uh-huh. I'd I'd forgotten just how awful it was in the sense of when you watch it in the movie. Do you know what? This is the other thing. I said it was on hour four when the symbiote finally latched itself onto Peter. This dancing scene was about ninety five minutes into the movie. I I couldn't believe how I I remember this being like halfway. It's right about when we should be wrapping up Act Two. <laughs> Yeah, if there was an act. Two. Yeah, if there was an act two. Uh but no, it's it's super late in the movie. It's oh, it's oh, god. I and of course during Nesper he like it gets you know Brock in trouble and all the rest of it, and he eventually goes to the jazz club with uh, with Gwen. Gwen and does the whole shitty thing. He ends up pushing MJ down, uh, which is kind of the final thing that makes him want to get rid of it because we end up getting the the shot they use for the poster, which he sort of like in the rain in the black suit, kind of yeah. Uh, on top of the chart, and he, then he realizes the uh, the noise, the bell rings, what makes it go off. Because he ends up using sound later on to get it off Brock as well, yeah, and defeat it. But um, so that, that's kind of very, very irresponsible of him, though, it, isn't it? You know, like he gets it off him. He's like, right, not my problem anymore. Yeah, he doesn't go and try like, and because he's got it. no excuse now because yeah. he's back to normal. He should be thinking as a hero, going right. I screwed up. I've got to contain this. Yeah, that's that's what he should be thinking. Instead, it goes to Eddie, who just happens to be there. Uh, that's when he becomes Venom. He has one scene with Sandman, and then it's the third act. It's him. He, he kidnaps MJ, and it's big fight in the in the tower. The sort of the, the tower's not built yet. It's all it's all yeah. It's all scaffolding and whatnot. Um, but we're high up. There's taxi cabs. There's all sorts of things. And for some reason, throughout this entire third act fight, there's a very annoying uh, British news reporter. Who is just giving useless, redundant comments on everything that happens, and I don't know why. Yeah, it's the sort of thing that you'd expect to hear if they were being really coy with CG, you know, not showing things. Yeah. And like they'd be going, Oh, this is how you're learning what's going on, but you're no, learning with the public. You see but, it, 
and then it cuts to her and she's like, oh, you wouldn't believe what's happening here. Spider-Man might not be able to win this. And I'm like, thanks that, for that. W- w- would I not believe it? I mean, I'm, I just watched it. <laughs> I probably had a better view than you, love. Uh, but yeah, it'd be one thing if they couldn't show us it so they were using this as a get-around. But no, no, we just seen it or she'll say something and then we'll see it. It's like, we're seeing it. We don't have to need you. It actually reminds me of old comic books where they over-narrated everything and they, t- they, they kept describing what was happening in each panel. Yeah, and it was a case of, you know, they weren't sure of the, the, the storytelling abilities of the art because of the, the printing mm. capabilities and stuff. So they were so they were just being safe. So I kind of excuse it in that because it's a, oh, yeah. it's, it's there's a logistical reason for it. It's something that's died out as comics have gotten newer because the art's gotten more advanced, printing's gotten better. Like, they're just, art's yeah, become a like much said, better art form. There, there was a genuine reason <laughs> for it at the time. Yeah. Like, uh, in, in, but here... Like I said, the only way that you can get around it is if like the CG budget was not there and they were having to hide it in the shadows and that that's how we were learning what was going on. Oh, which, on. by the way, can, can I just mention, as Spider-Man comes swinging in to save the day, the run pl- past the American flag moment. Yeah. It was just, it was just the cheese was all up to like the 11th, you know, all, all yeah. in the dial. It was just, ugh. And that would kind of work in the second movie, probably even the first movie, where it kind of did have this cheese to it. Yeah, whereas this one's just been miserable all movie. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's almost like they're going, hey, this is a return to what it should be. Like, you know, he's back as a hero. Uh, it doesn't feel like it. It just feels at odds with the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is the problem. Venom's just in the final fight, and he, he beats him, and that's it. There's no weight to any of it. Uh, that's Venom does... done. I don't get it. Like, what, what was the... He didn't do anything. Didn't. He, he kidnapped Mary Jane, but Sandman could have done that. Yeah, they, 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 oh, it's just the studio wanted Venom. They wanted to sell Venom toys. He's, he's the most sort of well-known villain to an extent. Uh, they wanted to have Venom. That was it. Uh, also, I should mention a couple of things. Uh, Bruce Campbell, of course, is fantastic as always in his cameo. Yeah. Uh, in this case, he's the, the the French guy at the. He's the French sort of. Uh, I, I love how you're like. He's so clearly not French. At, at oh yeah, on the yeah. accent. But he's like, I'm, I, I am French. He puts it on, but he actually does drop it intentionally a couple of times to like agree. Like it's not like it's not like he's really trying to trick him. It's just that no, no, we're a French accent. I'm going to you know, a fresh restaurant. I'm going to use a French accent. Yeah, uh, but it's when he tries to convince him that he is French yeah. that he goes, "I am French. Believe me." <laughs> no, he's he's great. And of course, that whole scene, the, the, the attempted proposal, where we, we talked about how he keeps ignoring what she's saying. He doesn't even know anything, and then Gwen comes in. And this is like a big stab in the stomach because Gwen's the one who kissed him at the at the key to the city event because uh, he's upside down and it's no, another bit of a dick move on his part. It 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 really was, and I, I I get it. Like I can almost see it being innocent in a sense, right? Where he maybe thinks she's just going to kiss me on the mask, so it's no, not. He pulls the mask down. No, it's hard to pull the mask down. Uh, is it? Yeah. But, okay. Right, and I'm thinking oh, that's not that big a deal. It's just you know because it's, it's a mask. It's a, it's a pet yeah. with a mask in front of it. But she pulls the mask down and properly tongues him. And so no, so it, it only... would be okay if 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 he didn't know her in general. Like oh yeah, because yeah. if it was genuinely just oh this is this stranger who but, is in, who is doing this yeah, that because, I don't know as Peter Parker. Because Mary Jane basically let it go. It hurt her at the time. She ran away from the parade, but she was she came to the dinner. She was happy to sort of go through she, she things. She got that it was. No, this is a Spider-Man bit. It's a big publicity thing yeah. that you know he has to do for the crowd. 
And you know, no, admittedly, she did enjoy it, but she understood it. Yeah, but now admittedly, we did hear him say, "Oh, lay one on me, I love it." Like he's, he was being cocky, right? That's a big well, part of this movie that his ego yeah. was getting the better of him, right? But she uh, doesn't hear that. Yeah, she didn't hear that. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, like you say, but it turns out, oh, this is someone that he knows in real life, and not only that, it's someone that he's never mentioned to her. Yeah, because that's not suspicious. Yeah, that's not suspicious at all. Yeah, maybe mention that Bryce Dallas Howard is someone you're seeing on a regular occasion. It's probably just just to. Well, that's it. If it was just if it, like he tries to play us off, so it's just someone in my class. It's like, all right, uh, that that would be fair enough because you know, class maybe twenty thirty people. You're probably not going to mention everyone. Lab partner. <laughs> But she's your lab partner. Not only that, when she when he introduces her, he doesn't say girlfriend. He says, "This is Mary, this is Mary Jane." He doesn't say, "This is my girlfriend, Mary Jane." He just says, "Mary Jane." Now, to be fair, she does then follow up and oh, hey, you're Mary Jane. He's he's spoken so much about you. That's double edged because on the one hand, oh, that means she, you know it's his girlfriend. So I guess maybe he didn't have to say that. However, but then she knows, and you've still got your hand on him. <laughs> yeah, you still got your hand on him. But then on top of that, it makes it worse that he's never mentioned. Uh, her to Mary Jane because well he talks enough to her that he's mentioned Mary Jane a lot to the point where she's got this idea of what she's like oh yeah. uh, oh dear which is intentional I mean, as much as we're kind of picking this apart this is an intentional part of the drama this is intentional no, this is one that I'm, I, it's, it's infuriating but that's infuriating from a character perspective it's infuriating from it's, Peter yeah it's, it's infuriating to watch him do this but it, it's fine as a, a plot point I don't mind that yeah, it works in terms of what it's accomplishing. The problem, though, is that Peter's meant to be much more likable in this. The thing with Peter Parker, uh, he's supposed to be someone... Yeah, he, he does make mistakes and maybe does stupid things, but the things that he's doing here are stupid are so absurdly stupid. Like, I should not look at the main character and go, like, no, <laughs> I would do better... Yeah, like, I, I, I should understand the mistakes. Was like, oh, I could see myself making that mistake, or I could see myself misunderstanding that, or not understanding that I should say this or do that. Here's, but, here's a, a, a genuine question. Hmm. In this particular movie, is there any point where you think you actually like Peter Parker? If, if it wasn't Peter Parker, if this was just the protagonist, if you didn't have a connection to him already, would you like him? Because huh? it starts off with him being a dick, like you know, like we get that. Oh, he's, he's you know he's all about himself. He's got this ego. Yeah, he's smart. Uh, he's then, from the start. Yeah. Yeah, and then we have the symbiote bollocks. But then, okay, he's back to normal afterwards. But we don't really see any of that. We don't really see him do anything that makes him normal. We have no reason to like this person other than the previous two movies. Like where, so we're we're going in with an expectation that oh, okay, we like this guy, but he never does anything remotely likable or movie. That's fair. I can't, I can't dispute that. Here's something that I didn't actually realise. I found this out before I watched the third one. But watching, now then watching the third one knowing this, I went, holy shit, so it is. Did you know Elizabeth Banks was in this movie? No. She's a uh, uh, General Jameson's secretary. It's been her all three movies. Jesus Christ, so it is. <laughs> it's, it's the been, hair. It's been her the whole time. I, it was just, it was between two and three. I'd seen it mentioned somewhere. I'm like, Huh. And then obviously I'm watching the third one and I'm like, it's so as her. How did I not notice? Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking back to her now. It's like, of course it's her. God damn it. So weird. Well, yeah. There you go. Okay then. That was Elizabeth Banks this whole time. Obviously, we've not really talked about J.J. or Jameson yet. He's not got as much to do in this movie. Of course, his scenes are usually gold. Him himself is hilarious. Yeah. Um, the whole thing at the start where she keeps buzzing him to sit, tell him to take his meds and 
Yeah. He's, he's trying also, to keep his blood she's probably one of the most likable characters in the movie. Because mm. she's on Peter's side. He's like, hey, you want to watch out for this Eddie guy? You know, he's a bit, eh, you know. And she's like, hey, he's, he's trying to t- take your job. Get in there. Mm. And she's nice to him. Like, she's legitimately, like, like the landlord's daughter. Like, someone else that's just nice to him. That's two more female characters in this that are more likable than Mary Jane. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, like, you can't hate Mary Jane that much in this movie because she's the one who's been shat on so much that it's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you, you don't, you don't really begrudge her so much because she's the victim in most of it, because yeah. Peter's been a dick to her, or then, then Harry's the using. Problem her. is that she hasn't been good in the previous two movies. Yeah, you go, oh, it's fine. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It, the the movie's a mess. It is. A, it is just a, it, too many plots, and the plots because there's so many don't have enough time each to actually have the proper development. And because there's so many plots, it's bouncing around things so much that it feels like it's still setting stuff up until like the ninety plus minute mark, maybe even a hundred minutes. And then all of a sudden, he just gets a phone call. Oh, by the way, I've kidnapped Mary Jane. And then I'm like, and then it cuts to like the the building, all the webbing, and she's in the tap. I'm like, oh, I guess it's time for Act Three. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. It just starts like that. And I messaged, I messaged Connor. I actually messaged him while I was watching the movie. Oh, I guess it's time for Act Three. Yeah, because Which... that that is what happens. It just, it's like I say, it's still setting things up. We'd only just really set up Venom at this yeah, point. We all just set we him just, up. We just we we just set up. He'd met Sandman, so it's like okay, we're setting up a relationship. I, mm-hmm. I get it. I like this. I mean, I don't really like it, but I like what <laughs> it's, it. I, I I should like this. Yeah, yeah, you can see um, what the intent's supposed to be. I like that as an Act 1 thing. You know, end of Act 1. All right, we're going to team up. That's that's a good mm-hmm. moment. But then... Oh, okay, final fight. That, that's it. Yep, yep, that's pretty much it. And let's, let's not forget the fact that Eddie Brock's like a nothing character. who is just this whiny guy. He's, he's just as unlikable as Peter is. Well, that's it. You're supposed to go. Oh, it's it's the, it's the symbiote's fault. You're su- I, I assume that's the point. You're supposed to feel somewhat sympathetic for him. Yeah, but the, the, the scene before he gets the symbiote, he he asks God to kill Peter Parker. And and before that, we've seen him fake a photo so he can screw Peter out of a job. Yeah, up until this point, he's just been a dick. Now, admittedly, I've not read a lot of Eddie Brock stuff in the comics, so I, I don't know. But I, I I do know that his venom is meant. Or no, that's not. But I'm thinking of Flash. Flash yeah. Which, by the way, Flash is in this movie. He's at the funeral at the end. Is he? Yeah, I noticed him. I, I, yeah. I didn't notice him. I, I didn't realize yeah. he'd been in it since the first one. Um, yeah. So obviously, we didn't even mention Harry died. <laughs> well, we mentioned how he died, but we didn't mention you know the 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 sun rising as he, he he dies and gives his little death monologue to Peter. Still not earned though, is it? That's not. Um, Again, like the idea is there. It's nice, and let's like, like say him coming out. Because no, I'm gonna save Mary Jane, regardless of whatever else has happened. I think the problem is it's so obvious that he's going to sacrifice himself. Like it never, I, I think it'd have taken more balls to have have him team up again. Keep the idea that Venom was going to be the fourth movie because we know there was, there was plans for a fourth movie and then it fell through because the third one wasn't yeah. you know accepted that well. Um, but like if you if you'd had that for the th- have the, have him team up with Spider Man at the end of the, th- the third one to take on Sandman. Right, because some man, you know, it can be a big Hulk type character, so I can still buy that you need both of them to fight him. Yeah, um, and then have him be in the fourth movie again as an ally. Have him be around and have right. Venom kill him and m- make that raise the stakes. And his plot in that movie is him dealing with his guilt. Like they can kind of share it in this one. Yeah. In the fourth movie, the pair of them can come to terms with the guilt of what they did when 
um, he was crazy and he was a dick. But you know, <laughs> they can they can follow that same journey still throughout the fourth movie. Yeah, and then maybe what once Brock is Venom and the Venom sequel with the uh, Spider Man, you you have him kill Harry maybe, and that raises the stakes for the yeah, the final. That's the, that's the that's the end of Act Two. Yeah, that's the end of Act Two, and that raises the stakes for the Spider Man Venom fight at the end. Like yeah, that, that yeah. makes it feel real, and it's not just Mary Jane getting kidnapped again. It's no, no, no. You killed his best friend. Who, if the movie had been working as well as we we should it should have, we'd care about the fact that Harry had died. Like yeah. so, you know. Potential. There's, there's things there they could have done. Now, admittedly, had they made the, these three and four movies with these better ideas and paced them out better, and Sam Raimi's a good enough director that I think he, he would have done a decent job, yeah, but they still had the same problems we had with one and two, where we think, you know, Tobey Maguire's not that great, Kirsten Dunst is fine but miscast, uh, Sidney Franco to it as well to an extent. Yeah. Uh, it kind of oh. felt like in this one especially, it was kind of phoning it in. Yeah. Uh, I said... Was the the stunt choreographer the same in this as, as the second one? Because man, like the fights in two were good. Yeah. They were yeah, like they, they were genuinely like really interesting. We're doing crazy interesting things dynamically. And this movie had more time. This was like three years after the second one, so theoretically, this had more. Yeah, yeah, and like that that second one, like as it should with Spider Man, especially it really played with verticality in the fights. Mm. Whereas this, even though they were up in the scaffolding, pretty much felt on level ground. For most yeah, it was of it. hard to tell because everything was just sort of the same web and scaffolding the whole time. You never really get a sense. Yeah, of... it was just it was just moving across. There wasn't really much up and down. Uh, yeah. Well, even if there was, you couldn't really tell. There was no sense of like how right, high they yeah, were. Yeah, there was no times. scale. Whereas in the second movie, when he's like chasing Doc Ock up the side of the building, you feel they're going higher and higher, and it you, you get that you can see sense. the floor underneath. Yeah. It. Yeah. The ground being outside, typically. Whatever. Floor, ground, it's all the same. <laughs> oh. alright well I think I mean we could probably nitpick a few more things yeah we'll be here all day he, he, like there's things we could pick apart I'm sure if we really wanted to but I, I feel like I feel like we've covered the, the main the it, main it, problems it boils down to this is a shit movie that's about it see I, I, I don't even think that's a fair comment it's not that it's not shit it is but I think shit movie implies it's just a poor it's just poor, like everything's poor about it. Whereas it's not just that; it's actually a cobbled together mess of like multiple movies, and that's the that's yeah. the first main problem. That that was the thing because even a shit movie, you still feel like you're going through. Like you can still have a movie that has a three act structure that builds to the final act and feels like it has progression, but still be shit and unentertaining un- and have you know shit acting, shit yeah. music, shit direction, whatever throughout, and that that's just shit. Here though, you, it's just. Everything and it's like Sam it's, Raimi. Admittedly, I've not loved everything he's done. Like I think Oz the Great and the Powerful. Oh, was James Franco again. Fancy that. Uh, I hated that movie. I hated it with a passion. But he also did the Evil Dead movies. The guy's made good stuff, right? Yeah, it's not like he he hasn't got the ability. Um, if this was just this is just a mess from the script level. Yeah, and I think honestly, if you've got a mess of a script, it's. Your, your movie is just screwed. It's 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 so hard to salvage at that point because it's it's broken at its core level. When it's this complicated, I think if it's a simple shit script, you can because you know if it's just a simple uh, good guy chasing the bad guy, and at the end he gets to him and fights him. Like if it's just that simple, you can have you know ad libbing and make characters out of it and make it yeah, a fun and time. Can, and you can put style in the direction. Yeah, exactly. Style thing, could but, save that. But when it's got multiple plots. It's it's it got to work at a script level, otherwise it's just never going to work. 
No, it's just it's just a goddamn mess. That that was that was the, the key thing I was just realizing as I was watching it. You know, having not seen it in ten years since it came out, yeah, is uh, just how many plots there were and just how it it just it dropped them completely. Some of them completely for a while, then came back to them. And then by the time that the the second plot had had a nice big chunk, you'd forget. You know, it, it came back to the other plot, and then it felt like we'd been aged since that. It just it felt so unbalanced, and it was just. Oh. Oh, wait, let's, uh, let's, let's do some ratings then. So, Spider-Man 3, out of 10. What, what, what are you giving it? I'm torn between a 2.5 and a 3. Oh, oh, we're going low. Is this the lowest numbers we've had on uh, in Flux? I think it is. Oh, easily. Because we typically watch good movies on the show. Well, yeah, yeah. No, because it's the, the reason we do the show is it's movies that we want to watch. But of course, so, we're, we're building up for a new film and we're watching the previous movies in the franchise or you know, maybe the original if we're getting a reboot or a remake. Uh, we might be hitting some stinkers in that case. And and it's so. also possible that we, we pick movies based on things we want to see because they're, they're on our to-watch list. We've heard good things, but that doesn't necessarily mean we'll like them in the end. That's also true. But no, this is just a bad movie. Uh, yeah, I, I'll, go with the, I'll go with the three just because it's Spider-Man 3. Um, I don't know. I, I I think I think from memory, like before, if you'd asked me, well, would you rate Spider-Man? I think I give it a five. Like just just from memory, having not really remembered it that well. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, it's just a, it's a weak movie that, but I, I didn't remember it well enough to really properly critique it. Mm. Now, on the other hand, with it fresh in my head and actually witnessing the mess that it is, just at a pure scripting level, uh, add in everything else I don't like about it. Add in uh, the fact that I still think the main cast are unsuitable for the parts and everything else. Two. It's tough, isn't it? You're like, how low is it? Like, well, this is this is the th- this is the weird thing. It's like you feel weird going that low because typically when I go that low, it's because I've watched something that's get it's some no budget thing that's just a mess that. And it feels weird going that low with something like this because it, at least it has some polish because it's a big budget Hollywood yeah, movie. There's, there's technical things about it that are not awful. Yeah, it, it looks like a movie. They had like an actual orchestra did a score for it. Like there's, there's just there's a level of polish even if it's not if it's not if the core things aren't right exactly good. There's still at least a level of technical prowess about it. Um, yes, and everything but the script. The script. Yeah, and the acting, yeah, uh, but and the CG in this case because some of the CG is really bad. Uh, it amazes me that the CG is worse in this than it was the previous two. Uh, yeah, it is really weird. I, I don't understand. As a movie, it's fundamentally broken. It is, yeah. And I can't, I can't rate it higher than a two because of that. It, it gets, it doesn't get a zero or a one because it does have Sandman's a pretty decent villain. Uh, in the sense that he looks kind of cool, I really like his 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 origin scene when he wakes up. That's and... it. it. It basically goes. Uh, you know, I was debating between two point five mm. and a three. I went for a three because I was like, I like that piece of music. Yeah, I like that piece of music. I like that scene when he wake, when he wakes up. Uh, I like that scene with the the landlord sort of because it's the most yeah. that it felt like. Oh, this is like a scene from a Spider Man movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two hours twenty, and and you you felt that once. Yeah. So there we go. That's Spider Man three. Let us know what you think of think of the and I use this word loosely, 
film in the comments below. Like, subscribe, all that stuff helps us out a lot. This was technically late this week. We typically try and have this, have our, and at least our usual sort of towards the end of the weekend flux, uh, late Friday, early Saturday. However, Connor over there uh, decided to fall asleep twice. <laughs> I've been overworked. The first time you tried to record this, you'd been off work for a week. You hadn't went back yet. That's true, but it was like four in the morning. <laughs> Shut up. Um, so, yeah, so apologies for that, but uh, there it is now. Admittedly, that only affects you if you're watching these early on Patreon. If you're watching them public on YouTube, then this was done a week ago and you don't even care. Uh, but here we are, so thank you very much for watching. If you want to support the channel, uh, go over to patreon.com that I just mentioned, uh, slash TV. Check out uh, some of the bonuses over there, including getting episodes of this a week early uh, for $1 or more. Um, a lot of stuff there too, but that is us. Uh, we're halfway to our first goal, which is to do a movie news show, kind of like our TV one, every week. So if you like the idea of that and want to help build up to that, then uh, yeah, have a look. But uh, that is us. So thank once again for watching. Uh, keep watching movies. We'll see you next time. I don't have an outro phrase for this one, and I built up to it, so I'm in an awkward position here. So I just need to say thanks for watching again. Bye.